PM. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening. I want to welcome everybody to this discussion and celebration and remembrance. My name is Regina Brink, and I am a a member of ACB, like all the rest of you. And I have a great group of people here, and we'll be listening to a homily, and there'll be time for reflection and comments and discussion. And today on our panel, we have Anthony Corona and Pamela Metz, and I'm going to turn it over to them to introduce themselves. I'll give a little background of myself first. Oh, I um, am, yes. Hi, Regina, this is Cheryl. Oh, oh you mean? Good. I, Cheryl's I, I here. Didn't make it. I'm so sorry. I was, I, I've been having problems with my Zoom, but I am, I am here, so. Well, I will turn it over to our chair of our Multicultural Affairs Committee, Cheryl Coomings. Take it away. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. I just love the fact that if I wasn't here, you were like all ready to jump in and take over. <laughs> so, Rock and roll. <laughs> I, love, I love the flexibility of everybody. So I'm just going to re, uh, reiterate again a welcome. Welcome to this evening session uh, reflection on the life and work of Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, my name is Cheryl Cummings, and I'm the new chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm married. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I've been involved with this, I call it the walk, this work around diversity and inclusion for many, many years. And I'm so appreciative that I have this opportunity to be part of and to guide the work of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Um, tonight, this evening, we're together here with the Blind Pride International, and we're inviting you to, to celebrate and to reflect, as I said, on the life and the work of Dr. King. I'm in addition, um, I'm, I'm, uh, as we hear from you, our guests, I've, I'm here with three marvelous folks who I almost had them uh, <laughs> introduce themselves. Um, but and, and I know you probably already know all of them, but um, because tonight is sort of a special evening that we're doing together with uh, Blind Pride, I'd love to give you a brief introduction of each person. So uh, one of our speakers this evening is going to be Pam Hill-Metz. Um, Pam wrote that as a child, she listened to the speech, I Have a Dream by Dr. King while she was at home. Pam grew up in the 1960s and has been a member of the American Council of the Blind for almost 20 years. She, she's also been a truly um, involved in avid and uh, member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. The, the other speaker this evening who introduced herself um, earlier is Re Regina Brink. Regina has worked in social services, community theater, and local music venues and has uh, been an advocate 
for marginalized people, including people with disabilities, for most of her life, for a long time. Um, I love Regina's quote when asked to describe herself. She said, uh, no matter where I am, I find that um, social justice and self-empowerment are overarching goals which guide the way I live my life and my work in my advocacy, and I do my advocacy work. Regina is also a member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee and is the president of both her local chapter and the Inclusive Diversity, um, uh, in Inclusive Diversity of California. So very excited to have Regina here and a man who almost needs no introduction, but <laughs> I will anyway. <laughs> Thank um, you. Anthony Corona, as we all know, is the host of Sunday Edition. Uh, he's also the secretary of Blind Pride International. Um, and he has also taken on many, many volunteer roles at the American Council of the Blind. Anthony worked um, for the Associated Press as their East Coast editor for entertainment for about 10 years. And I love the way he describes himself as a lifelong advocate for civil rights, LGBTQ rights, and the rights of people with disabilities. So we are so excited that they all agreed to be here um, to talk and to, to help us in this sort of afternoon as we celebrate and reflect on the life of Dr. King. I'm going to turn it over to Anthony to introduce the homily, and which we will yeah. listen to. And then I've got a, a few questions that I hope can generate some really good discussion or reflections. Um, and then, um, you know, we'll end the evening with a song. So, Anthony? Well, Cheryl, first off, I just have to say, I, I never had an opportunity to hear the song until you sent it for tonight, and I'm blown away, so I can't wait for folks to hear that. Um, we're going to go right into the homily after I speak, right? Yes. All right. So I'm going to tell a little story. Um, uh, some of you, most of you, maybe all of you, know at this point that my partner is Gabriel, and um, we met at the Rochester Convention. And uh, just about six months later, um, I, he came to visit me in New York and I wanted to do something special for us and for our dogs. And so I arranged at the most beautiful cathedral that I've ever been in, St. John the Divine in um, Upper Manhattan on Amsterdam and 110th to have our, our dogs blessed. And um, I didn't realize when I made the the appointment, I guess you could call it, when I had spoken to the rectory and, and um, made it happen, that it was Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Um, I mean, I kind of knew it, but I didn't realize that it would mean um, that it would mean anything in the Episcopal Church. Um, and so all four of us got blessed, which is absolutely beautiful. And, and um, we took personal vows to leave a lot of our hardship and sadness there on those stone church on that stone church floor. Um, and the love that, that we felt being embraced, the love for the dogs, but most importantly by this homily. So I contacted them and, and I asked for permission to use this. So this is the second year um, that we're doing this session, but I, I felt after the year that we've all had, 
and and the important work that Dr. King, the legacy that he left for us, that it was it was a good idea to do it again and and to hear each other and to really listen and hear each other. Um, the signifying message of this homily is, are you in the fray? And I hope that everybody listening tonight will think about that as you listen to Dr. Marilyn Robinson's words. And she, as you'll hear from some personal, personal anecdotes within the homily, walked alongside Dr. King and, and spent her life taking his teachings and, and bringing them to not only the Episcopal Church, but homeless and domestic violence, LGBTQ, and um, especially um, children who, who have been violated by their parents or, or other family members. Um, I've heard her speak in other arenas, and this is someone who has walked through, you know, it, there's very, very few people in the world who have dealt with sickness, dealt with murder, dealt with death, dealt with, you know, and just keep a positive, happy, hope-filled belief in our world's belief in whatever higher power they choose to believe in, et cetera. So here is, are you in the fray? I apologize that you'll hear the voiceover. I guess I have a setting that I still need to tweak, but here we go, folks. Give me one moment to get it started. 9, 10 p.m. Morning, church. I suppose the Old Testament lesson we've just heard tells us that even when the brothers of the dreamer are as full of hate as midnight KKK cross burners, kill the dreamer and concoct lies to cover their tracks and protect them from the law. The dreamer, the prophet, the interpreter of truths will not die. As Dr. King and his true dream for this nation have not died, in spite of some of the ways this nation has changed since the day of his assassination, emergence of a new form of identity politics, tribalism, the rise of insatiable greed. A true dream does not die. Surely the prophet dreamer, the reader of the truths unfolding clearly right now in front of our very eyes and all around us must become a person who accepts the responsibility of carrying on the struggle for justice. We can memorize phrases of Dr. King's most famous speeches, but we must not confuse our paying lip service to the man who first spoke them with entering the fray, joining him in the struggle. It's not easy to know exactly what it might mean for us to enter the fray when online petitions and making online donations are enough, or whether we have to put our bodies on the line, whether we have to fill the streets with outrage. I don't know. I'm pretty sure in my case that my entering the fray probably no longer entails marching. 
I do know that entering the fray has something to do with our recognizing that we are members of the body of Christ, a body made up of people who strive to follow the will of God. There's a deep disagreement in this nation about what the word Christian means. For some, it means God has a Santa Claus sack full of blessing handed for them as a reward for their believing Christ died to save them. That because they hold this faith, God wants them to be rich. They just have to make generous donations to some megachurch TV evangelist, and their investment will be returned an hundredfold. And on top of being rich in their lifetimes, they'll go to heaven when they die. For them, being Christian means they have the right to judge people who believe differently or look or identify or love differently or speak other languages or were born in poor and violent countries as being inferior and as therefore deserving to be legally and robbed of their rights, turned away, shunned, incarcerated. For others, being Christian means trying to understand and to follow the teachings of Jesus, as well as trying to follow his actions, to love God as he did, and to be led by that love, to treat your neighbor as you would like to be treated, to forgive those who have wronged you, to pray for your enemies, to feed the poor, to house the homeless, to comfort the grieving, to manifest mercy, justice, and peace. The latter are, of course, my kind of Christians, the Beatitude Christians, the ones for whom being Christian, practicing Christianity, is an invitation to start to do things Jesus says we should do. How do we do what Jesus tells us in today's gospel. It's hard enough sometimes to love our neighbors and those who love us. How are we supposed to love our enemies? And how can we forgive those who seem to have rediscovered shameless racism and surrender? Dr. King challenged us to, as he wrote in today's reading, recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, to be worthy to suffer for our beliefs, to place God's laws above those of man, to take the risk of being true church in the real world. He believed our work is better and that nonviolent action is the most effective way to create social change. He put love at the center of nonviolence, love at the heart of change. He taught us that the love of nonviolence holds a mirror up to American injustice.
hate the sin, not the sinner, we repeated during training sessions before the SCLC marches Dr. King led in the Chicago area during the summer of 1967. A junior at a rural university in Northern California, I was transplanted for a few extremely hot and humid weeks to an apartment shared by five completely inexperienced but committed undergraduate volunteers. We worked for a community organization on the west side and attended SCLC rallies and meetings and marches when we could. One of our roommates was honored to clean Dr. and Mrs. King's apartment one weekend, an event which has probably been a peak experience in her life. Hate the sin, not the sinner. It's so hard to remember that when you're kneeling on the sidewalk singing freedom songs in front of a pretty little church on Sunday at noon as the bells are ringing in the steeple and the church doors open and all of the people, white people, Christian people, we assume, of all ages. The ones I most remember were the gray-haired ladies wearing floral print dresses and black lace-up old lady shoes and carrying handbags. All those people who left the church and walked directly to our orderly, kneeling, singing group. Dozens of Christians pounding the air with their fists, screaming obscenities, spitting on us. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Love your enemies. That's myself forgiving. Not feel that knot of rage that fills your heart as you look at them. Little old ladies with their gray hair in buns like Aunt B on the Andy Griffith show. Young holding their children's hands. People still holding ser the service bulletins who would not see us could not recognize us as their sisters and brothers. There we were struggling to make our eyes full of love, not rage, to hate the sin, not the sinner. It was so hard. Yet I believed what Dr. King taught us, that our taking the risk of offering forgiveness and love held a mirror up to those people. And I hoped that someday some of them would wake up suddenly and realize what that mirror showed them about themselves that day. On another day, two young white men stood near where I was kneeling with my marching partner, a young white seminarian. One of them said to the other, to think, I just came home from Vietnam and what words, trying to move into my neighborhood. I turned to my marching partner and told him loudly enough for that young man to hear that my brother was a Marine and had been killed recently in Vietnam. I couldn't accept his death. That young soldier 
looked long at me, said nothing, and moved away. I think he recognized the truth, saw himself in a mirror. But of course, I confess I was lying. A few days ago, I received an email invitation to a first annual celebration of MLK Day in what looks like a very fine inn on the New England shore. This was to celebrate Martin Luther King by serving his favorite dishes. The event will feature someone from the local high school. It's not clear from the invitation whether this is a teacher or a student about Dred Scott and a $48 per person prefix four course dinner whose choice of entrees includes the following. Chicken Benny, cornbread, prosciutto, fried chicken, poached egg, gruyere, hollandaise, grape tomatoes, black-eyed peas, and chicken gravy. Or pan, bacon, sriracha, tartar sauce, cornbread. Or orange barbecue pork ribs, candied yams, collard barbecue sauce. And there's Dr. King's favorite dessert, pecan pie. There's nothing wrong with that fancified soul food dinner, but I feel it may be more a sentimental gesture toward acknowledging African-American culture than a call to join Dr. King's struggle, ongoing struggle. Perhaps we join that struggle, enter the fray, simply by remembering that we are church, that we are Christ's body in the world. Several years ago, doing research for a book about the life of the great African-American scientist, Saint George Washington Carver, I came across this sentence Dr. Carver wrote. Your life may be the only Bible some people know. Maybe we can be church simply by spending a few minutes a day being Bible for one or two people. Maybe instead of offering prayers which ask God to give us things, we can ask God to give things to others. Maybe we can not turn away from the injustices, the wrongs, the evil now so pervasive, but face them name them, call them out. Dr. King wasn't talking about vague pie in the sky, clearly to the patterns of racist policies which have for so long defined our nation's treatment of its darker citizens. What we can do is to help others see how the dream has been stolen and trampled. What we can do is to invite others to join in the struggle to ensure that the dream will not be destroyed. Maybe what we can do is wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt once in a while. 
Maybe what we can do is have a large cheese pizza delivered to a couple of homeless people we've passed on a corner. Maybe it means putting a loving smile in our eyes as we encounter a stranger. Maybe it just means holding the dream in our hearts. And, of course, voting. Amen. 9.45 p.m. Amen. Anthony, this, yes. is, this is always a piece that just blows me away. Um, and me too. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, and it, it really, I think, drives me and I hope everyone here to, to really reflect. So I'm going to open this up and invite I mean, say Pam, and then you, Anthony, and then Regina, just to talk to us about sort of how do you feel? How did this piece make you feel as you heard <coughs> you heard these words? So, Pam, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I've listened to it three times. This is the third time. And it's very powerful. She's very powerful in her deliverance with her soft-spoken voice. But the words that she delivered especially when she says hate the sin not the sinner or when she says love your neighbor as you would want your neighbor to love you those are some hard things to do they they are very hard to do um or um i have no problem with feeding someone who needs to be fed or i was taught as a child to pay it forward, to always, if I, let's say, just simply clean out my closet to give the clothes to a homeless shelter or whatever, because that's how I was brought up. So listening to her really hit home with this need, with the, with the Santa Claus Christians. <laughs> and, and, and um, the, the Christians who, believe in taking care of others, who believe in giving to others um, without even taking anything for themselves, or who believe in the justice, who believe in this country. I, this, this is home. This is our country. And King fought for this country in his way, nonviolence. So there they were kneeling as these people were coming out of this church, and these people were I like her description, the little old lady in the black boots, button-up boots and gray hair in a bun, and throwing their fist up and calling them names, and they're still, she, they're, they don't want to be angry and hate them, but it's like, how do you not be pissed at these people? How do you, how do you keep that control? How do you hold on to that type of control? It, it had to be hard. It had to be so hard to do that. Um, it really was. My mom told me that she went to a rally that King held here in, in L.A., and um, that really changed her views of, on politics And um, when she was young. And she was actually uh, either... She was pregnant with my sister or, one, or my brother when she took me to this... I took, took me to this rally. I was probably four, I, three... Or four, I don't remember. 
but uh, when she went. So it was, it, the homily was awesome. I enjoyed it. I thought the deliverance was beautiful. I thought her, that soft-spoken voice of hers had a lot of power in that voice. And um, if we follow the teachings of Dr. King, one day this country may rise up to be the country it's supposed to be. Um, I read a devotional this morning that talked about how um, the dream has not blossomed yet. It was about King and how his dream has not blossomed into a full-blown rose yet, but it might one day blossom. And, and that's, that's, that was such a, that's a powerful line. And one day his dream will blossom in this country. And I believe that. I have to believe that in order to continue to believe the way that I do about this country. I'm done. Thank you. Uh, I forgot who I said Anthony. Anthony. Well, I'm glad that Pam mentioned the voice a couple of times because Cheryl can attest to this. Um, I said to Cheryl, maybe last year, um, that her voice reminds me so very much of um, Marilyn's and the strength in it, the quiet strength. And, and that's something to be remarked on. Cheryl, I believe you have a quiet strength that will inspire all of us along the way. But, um, you know, I actually feel a bit different having re-listened to this um, over the last couple of days, and, and again, just as, as we were playing it now, than I did sitting in that church three years ago. A lot has happened. <laughs> oh my God, has a lot happened uh -huh. since then. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've had to explain to folks in my life that the pandemic, as hard as it's been, um, was an incredible blessing for me in so many ways. Um, and I feel that way about a lot of things. But I also feel very sad. My father um, fought in Vietnam and my father marched. And I told a story on the other um, King celebration today earlier. <laughs> we were kids and um, they played a song, um, If I Had a Hammer by um, Peter, Paul and Mary. And they mm -hmm. asked what, what we remembered and what, what we you know thought of the song. And, and instantly a memory came back. And um, my sister and I were singing in the backyard with my dad, and we didn't know what the song meant at all. It was just a really bubbly, fun song to sing. And um, one of our neighbors, who was not fond of the, as he quote unquote called it, the New York hippie freak, um, yelled out he was tired of hearing the New York hippie freak music. And um, my father used that as a, as a teaching lesson. And, you know, we had a, a long conversation about like, sort of the same thing. He didn't call it hate the sin, not the sinner, but he basically, you know, reminded us that we need to respect him, our neighbor, and, and, and have love for him, whether he respected and had love for us or not. And then my dad, you know, asked us what the meaning of the song we were singing. And, and my sister and I didn't know, you know, I, they, they had a hammer and, and they wanted to make things better. Um, and, and finally through leading us rather than, than lecturing at us through asking questions and having conversation, it finally dawned on us. It's, it's, it's in that paraphrase of, of 
Jesus the carpenter. And the hammer represents so much more than just building a clubhouse or a birdhouse or something. And so, you know, it was very important to me um, as a person to do my Sunday edition programming, um, to ask Cheryl to please partner with us again this year and and bring this bring this homily to everyone and have this session. I think it, there'll be time for discussion, for back and forth. How do we live the dream? How do we bring the dream and 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 continue it, and and help it grow and help it fully flourish into that rose? But some some sometimes you have to start with just listening. And I wanna hear what everyone feels. I wanna hear what they thought of the homily. And I wanna hear what they feel about the country that they're living in right now. I've said it a, a bunch of times this weekend. I'm a privileged white boy from New York City who didn't see racism until I was in high school. Maybe there was some of it there and I was young and naive and, and my family didn't have racism around it. So maybe I, I missed it, I ignored it, I don't know, but I didn't see it, I didn't feel it until I was well into my high school years. But once you feel it, once you see it, once you experience a friend going through something that wouldn't happen to you because you're a privileged white boy from New York City, it either changes you and, and you can't forget it. You have to willfully close your eyes and heart to it. I've never forgotten it. And so in whatever way that I can be in the fray, I want to be in the fray. In whatever way that I can try to be a mirror to those around me who know me or don't know me, I want to be. And so I hope that everyone tonight walks away with this, walks away from this tonight hearing what we're saying, hearing what we're feeling. And I hope that everybody realizes that today's a great day to remember it's a great day to celebrate but it shouldn't be the only day that you activate on this topic it should be one of many days so that's what i wanted to say tonight so far hopefully i'll get to talk again later but thank you so much everyone who is here in the zoom room and everyone who's listening over acp media thank you so much anthony so i'm gonna invite regina to speak Okay, thank you, Cheryl and Anthony and Pam. And I'll keep this brief because I want to echo what Anthony and Cheryl and Pam have said that your voice is important. I just have two small takeaways. Number one, the power of faith, whatever your faith is, and that's a very personal thing. So I think that you can have faith no matter what religion you are in or a religion you don't maybe you don't believe in god but you have a spiritual guidance you have a spiritual uh voice that tells you what is right what is wrong what is just and when you listen to that and you put that into action i think that's what this was all about and so even if we, there's many people from many backgrounds and no matter our beliefs or faith, I think it can inspire us to keep on because it's this, as people have said, this isn't easy. The second thing is 
injustice flourishes when good people are silent. And that was a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. And it's one of my favorite quotes because it really is up to good people. I believe there are more good people in the world that have that inspiration I'm talking about. But a lot of those people are good and silent. And so when things happen, the voices you hear are the more strident voices and they drown out the good people. But when we all lift our voices and then there is strength in that. And those silent voices when lifted become very strong, like the quiet voice of the person that delivered this homily. And that's what I have. Pam, Anthony, Regina, you guys are so thoughtful and um, you definitely got us started and thinking. And so now I'm going to invite, is it Donna who's hosting us? Yes. Um, so can you tell us how can we raise our hands? And how I we certainly can. All right. Uh, to raise your hand from the PC will be Alt-Y. From your Mac, it'll be Option-Y. From the app, it's going to be in the More button. And from a phone, it'll be Star 9. And to unmute, make sure you've hit the Got It button or you won't be able to talk. Uh, and once you've done that, from the PC, it's Alt-A. From your Mac, it's Command-Shift-A. From the app, it's the button in the lower left-hand corner. And of course, on the phone, it'd be star six, and we already have hands. All right. Well, thank oh. you. So, why, why, why don't you call them out for us, please? Okay. The first uh, hand is Lynn. Lynn, you may speak. Hi, Cheryl, Anthony, Pam, and Regina. Um, first of all, I have I had an image when she was talking about these uh, proper white people going to. <laughs> really harass the people who are praying and singing hymns and you know of freedom songs I thought yeah that's that's a real juxtaposition you know these proper white people who think they're so proper and good and and you know have have they're on the right side of God or Jesus or whoever they think they are on the right side of who can also not understand that their fellow fellow parishioners uh, are the same not different you know, and I think that that really struck me, the, w the way that she's so, um, you know, she was so diligent about describing exactly who these people were, you know, and that they were carrying their, their uh, hymnals with them. <laughs> yeah. And, and it just really made me so disgusted. I said, yeah, this is, this is the kind of stuff that, that's happening. And, um, you know, and, and yes, because uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached nonviolence, they weren't going to do anything. But the other people, the nice, proper white people, um, didn't feel any guilt, didn't feel any remorse, didn't feel anything about spitting on, you know, uh, cursing on whatever they did, uh, calling them names. 
of other people who were uh, being freedom fighters. And I think a lot of this really goes back to what we have today, even though this homily was probably delivered quite a, a, while, a little while ago, in terms of fear and fear of the other and, and, and tribalism. I've said for many, many years that we're all tribal, you know, in a way. We, we, we want to be with people like us and I'm reading about social construction of reality. So, you know, we, we tend to, the people who are familiar to us, that are near to us, we understand them. People who are not near to us or familiar to us, we don't understand them and we don't know them. And we really don't really want to know too much about them either. And I think that we have to really get over this thing that that we're all different, that people are different from us, that that people are strange, that that you know we can't talk to, to people who are think differently than we do, practice you know religiously different than we do, and you know I mean I just think that, and that's why I I really think we have to learn from each other and cross pollinate with each other. Because if Christians only talk to Christians, if Jews only talk to Jews, if Muslims only talk to Muslims, if if Baha'i only talk to Baha'i, we're not going to learn about each other. We're not going to ask the questions. We're not going to learn about each other's faith base or whatever it is. That's you know that's why you know in my group I specifically say, do you have a question or do you understand what that means to some of the people who might not be Jewish who are attending the group? And I think that it's important for us to just say, okay, you know you're not exactly like me. But you are like me because we're all human, because we all love each other, because we all care about each other. And, you know, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached love, preached um, about peace and love and caring and a better world. And that's the way we have to be. So I appreciate um, I appreciate this venue and um, I really appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Lynn. All right, next we have Melissa. Good evening, everybody. Um, am I on? I think I'm on. Yep. Good, thanks, Donna. Um, I'm Melissa Hudson from Burien, Washington, for those that don't know me. Um, and Cheryl, I just have to say, I love to listen to you speak. This is my first time meeting you. It's wonderful to meet you, ma'am. And, and um, I just love to hear you speak. And that preacher that spoke also I too Anthony agree with you she just has this voice that is just it makes you just want to cry it's just really inspiring to listen to and just really um, uplifting and what she said is absolutely true about Christianity and all those things she talked about but I guess my question is is does anybody know if this person um, this doctor if she's still alive and if she's uh, still preaching if anybody knows. She is. The homily was delivered three years ago at St. John the Divine Episcopal uh, Cathedral in Manhattan. And she's still there. Um, and she's still working with uh, child survivors of domestic violence. Um, wow. Children that have been burned, children that have been beaten and abused. Mm -hmm. And, and that is her, mm -hmm. that's her calling. She advocated for civil rights for years and years and then switched her focus but she's still there um, and you can reach out and, and find her through the uh, website for St. John the Divine Episcopal. Thank you for asking. That's great. And ha Anthony, have you personally met her? I, I know you said you, you heard her speak, but have you met her? Uh, so after the homily, um, our dogs were blessed. We were blessed. Um, you know, after the service was over, 
Episcopal Episcopal churches, um, they do a a big, you know, loving hug for everyone around you. And um, the Mm -hmm. first thing that we said to the, to the, um, oh God, what's the name? Not Deacon. Um, Dean, the Dean of the cathedral who had given the the service that day was, you know, is there any way we could meet her? And um, of course she went to the dogs first <laughs> as, as usual, <laughs> um, but it felt like my grandmother's hug. And um, she just held on and told us, that we were a beautiful couple, we were beautiful people. And um, mm. she had watched our faces and she knew that, that, that we were listening. And she asked if we would take her message forward. And we said, yes, I had no idea at that moment that I was gonna call and ask if we could have this homily, but yes, we got to, we got to experience our hug. That's amazing. Well, God bless all of you. And thank you so much for having this inspirational uh, presentation. And I hope those that are listening out there on ACB Media 5 feel the same way. So God bless you all. God bless you too. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Yes. And thank you for allowing me to host your show the other day. That was a blast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Next we have DJ. Good evening, everybody, and to the panel. Um, this is a very uh, touching and inspirational moment, but there's two words that come out of all that we have experienced and know to be for the past, the present, and the future. And that is, and somebody hinted on it earlier, love and respect. Love and respect. And whatever it is that we go through, whatever we've done, are doing, and will do in the future, all come out of the experience of learned. These are learned habits. Hatred is a learned habit. Love is a learned habit. So oftentimes I say, when we, and I say we, I mean we as a race of people, as a human race, when we learn to love and respect ourselves, because it all comes down to right where it starts from ourselves. Then we can learn to love and respect one another. And in turn, others will learn to love and respect us too. That's my point. I thank you for this forum and thank you for allowing me to speak. God bless, and may heaven surely smile upon each and every one who is here listening in Zoom and on ACB Radio. Thank you. Right back at you, and I, I absolutely have to echo that love and respect. I, I think we have to also love to love and love to respect, and that's something yes. that we've forgotten to teach our younger yes. generations. Yes. We bring it back. And, you know, you said you were from New York. There's a gentleman in New York uh, back in the 80s by the name of Dr. Bob Law. Yes. And he formed a campaign that was called Respect Yourself. 
And I can remember, this is not just a New York, New Jersey, Connecticut metropolitan thing. This was done nationwide mm-hmm. back in mm-hmm. the early 80s. 80s. Respect yourself. That's the reason why I say when we learn to respect ourselves. So what, what, what he would do, he had his own night talk show. And on his night talk show, when the callers would call in, they would immediately greet each other by saying, respect yourself. Yep. And in turn, one would reply by saying, and I respect, respect you. you. Yep. Thank you for reminding us of that. Yes. And I remember having the privilege of having met Dr. Bob Law. And uh, he inspired me into that. So um, uh, being, uh, having met Martin Luther King, I even actually sang a solo when he came to Philadelphia at a church for his wife, Coretta Scott King. And the song that I sang was he looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. And I was privileged and honored to do that, not just for her, but for Rosa Parks and all of these great ones. And being in ministry, I did have the chance before he passed away to meet Y.T. Walker. And he, of course, was one of the many who was in the struggles along with Dr. King. So when we learn to respect ourselves, then we can learn to respect others. So I will close by saying to each and every one of you, respect yourself, and I respect you. Thank you. We respect you right back. We're so lucky to have you in this community. Maybe one day you'll give a community call and share some of your experiences with us all. I do have a community call. It was supposed to be done today, but I had to funeralize one of my co-workers who you were talking about, Santa Claus Christians. He actually played as Santa Claus, and he was one of my bestie co-workers. And in all of my years of ministry, my 30-plus years of ministry, this was the hardest funeral I ever had to do because we were that close. And um, he, yes, he was also, he was white. But see, for me, whether I was sighted or not, I'm colorblind. So it doesn't matter to me. And was I once a rebel at one time? Yes, I was back in the day. Yet and still, I had to learn that love conquers all. And when we make that choice, it's the reason why I say at the end of my messages, what you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. So yes. choose your choice. God, and let yes. your choice control the chooser. So we have that. So again, I thank you. My call is called Message of Love, and we'll be back on the air at 10 a.m. on the 31st, 31st of January. I do it every other Monday. It's called Message of Love, Inspiration, Motivation, Edification, for the soul. So come spend it with DJ, 10 o'clock a.m. in ACB community on the 31st of January. We respect you, JJ. Thank you so much. Thank you I so respect much, you. JJ. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, next we have Lisa. 
Hello, everyone. Um, that message tonight was so, so powerful. I would like to call her a quiet storm because that's what it, it stirred up in me. And I, too, Anthony, grew up in New York. Um, a somewhat privileged African-American, though. And I never experienced any issues with racism or anything until I actually moved here to Michigan. And everything here was so segregated and so different. And it just, it was like a whole new world to me. And I didn't understand, you know, because I had people of all colors in my family. So I didn't understand somebody not liking me because of the color of my skin. And I feel that it's so sad that it still goes on today with everything that has been accomplished in the LGBT you know, community, in, in uh, the African-American community, in the Latin, it's just so many strides that have been made. And there's still so many people that are so full of hate. And I feel that sad, but I do feel that if we come together like that quiet storm, that we can overcome it. Thank you. All right, next we have Annie. Hello, good evening. Cheryl, Anthony, thank you guys so much. And you know, I, <laughs> I had to say that, I echo what everyone has said about um, Dr. Robinson's voice. I, she's, it's soothing and powerful. And I think that the way that she delivered her message. It was so refreshing. I actually felt like she was right there with us. And what a blessing that must've been for you, Anthony and Gabrielle, Gabriel, to um, witness, to actually meet her in person. I'm sure you really felt the Lord's presence in the room, you know, just as I have felt here tonight. Um, one thing that I was thinking about when she spoke, you know, when she said that the Bible, you know, sometimes you might be the first Bible someone reads. You know, because as, as a Christian, I have struggled and you know, have been like on this emotional roller coaster. Like, how can I extend God's love to everyone, regardless of how they believe? I guess sometimes I don't feel like I do that effectively. Um, and you know, I could go on and on. But what I one thought that I had was that a lot of times we talk about acceptance intolerance. I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Those are not, that's just the beginning. And sometimes those are reluctant acts of resignation. You know, we're uh -huh. resigned and we're like, yeah, well, okay, I guess I'll accept it. I guess I'll tolerate. No, no, no. Those weren't, that was not at the heart of Jesus's teaching. It, it goes beyond acceptance and tolerance. And it, what it goes down to is love. Okay. All right, next we have Sandra. Hello, good evening, everyone. Um, wow, just such a powerful, powerful experience, you know? Um, kind of just, it. it's so moving and breathtaking that all you can do is sort of sit back and say, wow. Um, if nothing else, today is a day of reflection. And I believe that 
while this country for sure has a long way to go, um, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. There's no perfect country. If, if it isn't racism, it's classism, it's something-ism. And so um, God chose to put me in this country to have me born as an African-American in the United States. And therefore, um, as one of the good people, I have to do my part. Um, I think it is critical that we raise our voices. Um, the, the people whose voices have been silenced really need to, to, to rise, to speak. Um, I think there's been, a, a lot of people are just beaten down, downtrodden, and they're, they're giving up. They're apathetic, feeling like nothing is gonna change. And it's baby steps, you know? It's a, we run our leg of the race and pay it forward with the sincerest hopes that the generations coming behind us will continue the legacy. And that is so extremely important that we plant the seeds in our children and the youth and everything like that. And it's very interesting how we talk about voices, you know, the, the silenced voices and even um, the black national anthem, you know, the first stanza, lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. It doesn't say some voices. It doesn't say people who feel like talking, every voice, which means the good people, the people who have given up and feel powerless and feel apathetic, we have to find a way to reignite the fire because we need all of the voices. Thank you. Sandra. Thank you both for sharing. All right, next we have Gabriel. Hello everyone. Um, Definitely one of the uh, the the <laughs> recurring themes is when when Anthony and I first heard uh, Dr. Marilyn uh, that Martin Luther King weekend and St. John the Divine was uh, her voice and and definitely immediately noticing how how Cheryl your voice sounds not not only the voice the demeanor and and the energy that comes through uh, the power and um, the quiet at the same time, soft-spoken yet powerful. And uh, one of my favorite books is actually called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And uh, the opening of the book is the story of how Rosa Parks was, and they describe her as the author describes her as quiet fortitude. And um, I did not know up until reading that book that Rosa Parks, the only thing she said was no. And with that no, she ignited the biggest uh, civil rights movement. Um, and God uh, placed her next to Dr. King who would amplify what she 
started and uh, with eloquence uh, was able to transform the civil rights movement into action and into marches and into mobilizing an entire nation. Um, the last thing I want to share is when I was growing up, I always share here at the American Council of the Blind how, how I grew up admiring and looking up to the United States. And I remember one day my grandmother um, on my mother's side had told me that she had visited New Orleans one time uh, with my grandfather in the 50s, I believe it was. And um, she had told me that when getting on a bus, the driver had was trying to force an African-American couple to go to the back of the bus or stand up to give the seat to my grandparents. And my grandmother got into an argument with the driver <laughs> and she refused to take the seats. And, um, and, and the African-American couple was standing up and my grandmother said, don't move. I'm not going to see. So we're all, all four of us are going to stand up because I'm not going to take those seats. <laughs> and I, I was perplexed because to me, the United States was this, this view of like the perfect nation. <laughs> and, um, and I, I started learning from there that um, what um, Regina said a moment ago is so true. It's, it's the, you know, good people the worst thing we could do um is is to stay silent is to be complacent because then with that we are we are allowing the the hatred and the injustice to to perpetuate and to continue so since there i think i became this civil rights rebel and advocate and i and i've always i've always felt that passion for justice. And that's what took me to, to my uh, first career in Honduras when I became a lawyer. And, and I worked a lot with many underserved populations. And, and that's, that's where my passion is. And I've been into politics after that and done a little bit of everything. But I, I would urge everyone to take this message. And like Dr. Robinson said, you know, just Remember that we're not, we're not, uh, we're not here to instill hate or to perpetuate hate, love, hate the sin, not the sinner, and uh, and and I love also how she says, you know, you don't have to recite entire verses of the Bible. You can be a living Bible, a walking Bible, with your actions and how you treat others. So that is what I have to say, and uh, I. Thank you all, Cheryl. Thank you so much. And uh, Regina, Pam, Anthony, um, all my love to everyone, to this community, and God bless. Praise for your grandmother, Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes she, was, she was something. <laughs> and, and before we go on, I just want to, and I'm, I'm sure people remember this, but I want, just want to say, one of the things that really strikes me about the homily is that, you know, we start off talking about Dr. King and I think uh -huh. it's so easy to fall into like, well, I'm not a Dr. King. I can't do anything. But if you notice this as, as Dr. Robinson calls on us to be the Bible for someone else, she then I think tells, you know, gives us examples 
of the small things we can do. Like, what does it mean to, to, to live out love? What does it mean to live out social justice? And by giving us examples of people being kind to each other, people being thoughtful to each other, you know, buying, sending, a, buying, buying a pizza for somebody who's homeless or, I mean, so I, I so much appreciated the fact that she starts in this sort of high lofty space and brings and it down, down to down. what, yeah, yeah, what as an, what you as yeah. an individual can do. Um, Wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt at once in a while, yeah. 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 Yeah, but, but, you know, and I want us to think about, like, what does that mean for ACB, right? Because here we are, an organization that is committed to being inclusive and is committed to being diverse. Those are, like, big words. I mean, then they're words that are being tossed around by lots of different people today. Um, but I really want us to take the time to think, you know, what does it mean for me? And then what can I as an individual, what can I, as a member of ACB, do to help the organization realize that? And it may mean like, you know, the next time your, your state uh, chapter is meeting and you see somebody there who's never been there before, did you go over and talk to them and pull them in, make them part That's of the group? You know, uh, somebody comes in and they have a question, they don't know what's going on. I mean, you know, don't wait for the president of the chapter mm -hmm. or somebody. I mean, you're a member. You are just as representative of that entity as the president. So take, be active, take an action, go reach out to people. So anyway, that's, that's it for my, my soapbox. Um, Cheryl, but, before we go to another hand, you, right. you, you shine a light on something that that's really important. And, and I want to just kind of take it in two directions. First and foremost, you know, we're an organization that is supposed to be from the ground up. So if we want to see change, if we want to see it bigger, if we want to see it more open, if we want to see the heart beating yeah, in every up. direction, we've got to be a part of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think everybody that's listening tonight, everybody that shared tonight, if you mean in your heart the things that you say, if you if you really feel something tonight, put a message out there, a Facebook page, conversation mm -hmm. list, send it to Dan, send it to one your favorite board member, send it to Kenneth, send it to Connie. But put a message out there, put put some words to to the feelings that you're feeling tonight and and ask ask our organization to do better. But on the second track, there, I don't know if other cities do it. Um, I haven't seen <laughs> in almost six years now, but um, everywhere that I went in New York for a really long period of time, there was this phrase and it was, if you see something, say something. And um, there are a couple of different images, but the one image that was the most powerful was a an old beat up looking suitcase under a subway car. And then it was like a split image. And then the next image was a subway car that was burned out or, or bombed out. I'm not sure, but uh, well, bombed, I would guess. Um, no remnant of the suitcase left. But I say that because if you see something, if you hear something that's not okay, Say something. It, say something. Mm -hmm. And just that is a powerful. So yes. thank you for letting me speak again. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And so if you have any doubts and you need 
reach out to someone you trust in the organization. I've done that, and it's so helpful. If you're a new member and you don't know and you're not sure how to to say it, reach out. Because there's a lot of people here in the organization that you can that, that will help you understand and help direct you. So, all right. Just so y'all know, it is now eight past the hour and we have five hands left. Okay. <clears throat> our first, our, I should say, our next hand is Chris Holter. You can speak, Chris. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I found myself hearing two things that were very important as far as I'm concerned. And one of them is, as others have said, the quietness of Marilyn Robinson's powerful voice that you can be, she could be, she could be both quiet and powerful. And I think that only comes from a heart that is loving. Because lots of times we can get into a, a place where we're angry and we start shouting or we get frustrated when someone isn't, isn't, acting the way we think they're going to act. And that happens. And I want to say that I am, I am very humbled by that homily. <laughs> and I just, I know that I want to have that loving heart. And I, I do have it, but sometimes it gets short-circuited. <laughs> I think, as everybody says, we're we're all just human, yeah, and, and so all we have to do is 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 you know you stop and you try again. Um, yes, Ben Franklin yes. said we are all unfinished masterpieces. Oh, we I like grab that. our own brush and finish it. I like well, that. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that my mom always says is that um, you can't you always can ask for forgiveness. Yes. You can always ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like respecting oneself, forgiving oneself is uh-huh. so yes. important. We well, the hard- forgive ourselves. Yeah. And the hardest part, you know, the hardest part for me is when I am saying or doing something I know is right, and yet it it is a um, a hard saying to have to give to somebody. Yes. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Jesus did that a lot, but <laughs> I haven't been I haven't done it very often and I've had to recently. You know what my grandmother <laughs> my both of my grandmothers were very very wise women, but um one of my grandmothers would always say there's only been one Jesus because there could only be one Jesus. Yeah. As long as mm-hmm. you try to understand and be, you know, what he taught us to be, you're never going to be him, but exactly. as long as you try to be what he wants you to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. My, there was a person that encouraged me because my son has, uh, has 
bipolar. And when he was young, it was very hard on him. And we took him to doctors. And this one doctor said, he's going to be all right. And I said, how can you say that? Because he was having extreme issues. And she said, because you love him. And love covers a multitude of sins. She said that, you know, you might not do everything right as a parent. No parent does. But that love will sustain him and heal him. And it has. He's actually grown up to be okay. And I just hang on to those words. So hang on to that. We we do our best as humans, but that love, when it comes through and it's genuine, it really does heal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It. I have seen that. Uh, and, and I really, I really appreciate this whole, this whole evening and, and this morning as well. So thank you. I, I think I've said what I need to say. All right. <clears throat> Next we have Kenneth. Good evening, everyone. I'm very glad to be with you tonight. Uh, this evening means a whole lot to me. It connects with some things I did earlier today as I do every year at this time. The calmness and the voice of Dr. Robinson uh, really brought me to a lot uh, that I enjoy hearing from the speeches of Martin Luther King. And uh, I remember uh, today, I'm calling it a day of reflection uh, and a day of I would say choice. It's time, I believe, again, for us to renew our choice to do the right thing, no matter what we feel, no matter where we've been, who we've been around, who may have had negative uh, influence on us or anything. It's time for us to make a new commitment to move forward and do the right thing. Uh, I never forget in 1995, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was there for a music seminar um, for a weekend and you know, had a few days left there, but I made sure I went to visit the uh, Martin Luther King Center. And I uh, was there alone at that time, decided to listen to those speeches that were um, available. And I left there in tears, all down the highway. I was sighted then driving. And I, as I, I just, I was so inspired after hearing him say so many different things that connected with me uh, when he talked about being a servant anybody can serve you know when he told when he said all those things about you don't have to have this you don't have to be wealthy you don't have to have a college degree or all these things that he said uh but to serve and all he said about how a difference we can make when we give uh of ourselves and i cried down that highway other people driving by and didn't know why i continued to wipe my eyes but i was just crying on uh uncontrollably that that day and just ask God to help me to do the right thing. Help me to serve. I want to serve. And I will tell you today, after I've been uh, through a whole lot in life, I'm here today and I've, I've chosen from 1995 for sure to serve. And I've been serving in my community. I continue to do that and, and just have some, take some time to make sure that I'm considering everybody. Uh, and we all, I like what all of you said tonight, thanks to the MCAC and BPI uh, for uh planning this uh, opportunity tonight for us all to come together. And I really am going to take some time to, to reflect back, tune into what all uh, you have said, and I uh, hope that we all can do that and think about what can we do tomorrow? What can we do now to, to start a new path where we're going to make sure we are listening 
And uh, I like to bring this part up about listening. Uh, I've been working on that for a while. And I'm talking about really hearing what people are saying. You know, you can mm-hmm. hear a sound, but are you really hearing their heart? And sometimes you can hear where somebody's really coming from when you feel the tone that they're speaking in. But also sometimes it's just an instinct. You really feel that this person is trying to get a message out to you. If somebody speaks in anger, sometimes we may not be able to uh, readily accept it, but guess what? They may be hurting and they may be trying to get somebody to just to hear them. And if you acknowledge that you hear what they were trying to say, even though you may not agree right then or whatever, I understand if we can just get to the place where we're going to hear what people have to say and try to feel their heart. And I do believe then that's when we're going to really connect and we can really do better uh, caring about one another. Yeah. You know, Kenneth, if you don't mind, um, one thing you can do for sure is reach out to your fellow board members and maybe not this program, maybe not um, Five Days for George Floyd. There was a beautiful program put on this afternoon, but ask your board members to listen to one of these programs and to listen to the membership who have taken the time to, to feel and to want to be part of the fray. And maybe that'll inspire them a little bit to feel more than just lip service to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes, and it's good when it's coming from the heart. It's not just being done just because somebody else told you to, but it's always good to share and remind because we've all heard a number of things in our lives about how we should treat one another and how we even, we know how we want to be treated. So uh, yeah, I'll do my part on that. Thanks, Anthony, and thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask how many more people have their hands raised? Yes, we have four people, and we are now at uh, 18 after the hour. Okay. There's nothing uh, scheduled after us. Donna, could you give us a few extra minutes so we could let the four people speak and still have the musical selection? uh, I do need to end on time. Okay. Um, So just letting you know that. Okay. All right. And I have to consider the stream or two. Okay, so so why don't we we, we want to hear the folks? So why don't we have folks speak, um, and then we'll try to get the music piece in. Okay, so our next speaker will be Debbie. Hello, everybody. Um, I just want to take one brief moment to to do to do a personal anecdote. I was very very young when I heard Dr. Martin Luther's King, "I Have a Dream" speech. And what I heard in it as a kid who was just beginning to find her feet and just begin to think about stuff was hope. And that there we all could have a part in the dream. And so I have so loved listening to everything and your hearts. But you know, the King family today did not want everyone to celebrate in the usual way until we get all of the voter problems and voter access and voting rights stuff that still needs to be dealt with. So I'm gonna give you two challenges in the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King. And even though I was a little white girl and now I'm a big white girl, he entered my heart and my DNA and has been with me ever since. So I feel that I can say this to you with love and solidarity from my heart to yours. Blind people, we are not getting out to vote as a body of people. We have worked 
to get accessible voting equipment in polling places. We are working to get accessible absentee ballots. So two things I would say to you, no matter what color somebody's skin is, if you can invite the next time there's an election, there's a, next time there's anything to vote on, if you can invite one or two people to go with you and say, it's nothing to be afraid of, I'll help you, I'm there, that would be something that would make Dr. King smile and make him very happy. And the second thing I would say in conclusion is, you have a wonderful chair of this Multicultural Affairs Committee. And sometimes we have to put ourselves out there. So if you know somebody, a person of color or a person with the right heart attitude who could really achieve something, tell them to come to Cheryl, tell them to talk to her if they need, if they are shy and they need mentoring, whatever they need. I truly believe that Cheryl and this committee will help anybody who wants to become involved in their chapter, who wants to do something. So encourage people, because what we've got to remember is in order to make a dream come true, it needs head, hands, feet, and heart. And so I urge all of us to do our part. And if we can lovingly and kindly help somebody along the way, that would be a wonderful thing. And Cheryl is such a kind, sweet person. I can't imagine anyone being worried about coming to her. So let's add our feet and our hands and our hearts and our heads and our voices and do what we can where we are. Jesus called it giving a cup of cold water in his name and do what we can to make some part of Dr. King's dream come true. And thank you for tonight. It was wonderful. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Okay, the next one is area code 215 and in 759. Thank you and good evening. This is Pam Shaw from the Philadelphia area and what a blessing to be here this evening. What you have done for me is given me gifts, the gifts of your time and I'm saying this to everybody, the gifts of your heart, the gifts of your ears and the gifts of speaking out on a critical issue. There are people who would have us believe that we can't come together to talk about these things, but you have proven, oh yes, we can. When I was a little girl, I moved with my family into a neighborhood that was all white. We were the first black family in the neighborhood. And apparently the neighbors got together and decided the way to deal with us is not to speak to us. But my parents decided that we would speak to these people whether they spoke back or not. I figured it out. Since I was blind, I didn't have to speak to them because I couldn't see them. And I really don't know how my mother found out that I was doing this, but she did. She and my father sat me down and told me that you don't, you don't treat people a certain way because of the color of their skin, whether you can see it or not. You treat them a certain way because they're human beings. So after a spanking, I decided that I would speak to everybody, whether they spoke back or not. And then this homily this evening, I heard some things that really touched my heart. Because one thing about um, Dr. Robinson, she doesn't just talk that talk, that quiet talk, but she walks the walk and she has had to stand her ground on some very serious matters about working with the children um, from these families because sometimes it has put her life in danger. So as yep. we talk here tonight, 
I hope that we will, as has been said, we will turn it into action. I just want to share with you um, my particular statement that guides me and reminding all of us, we don't need titles. We don't need all of that. We don't need to be, uh, at least in this organization, elected to do anything. What we are called to do, we are supposed to do. So here's my statement that helps me dealing with how I get along with people or how I respond to something. And it's really simple and it comes from Dr. King. I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. So thank you for allowing me to share from my heart and God bless you. God bless you, Pam, too. And thank you for the wonderful program this afternoon. Cache and Sandra, the three of you did an amazing job. Thank you. It was. I, I completely echo that. Yes, it was a beautiful program. Thank you. And our last speaker of people who haven't spoken yet is Cache. Good evening, everyone. Um, my reflections, um, I'll try to keep them as brief as I can. Um, what I want to say is, it is true that we are quite often the only Bible and the only version of faith that people will ever see. And so we must always ask ourselves, what's on the pages that others are seeing? What's on the pages that they're reading? What is on the pages that they're getting from us? Our part, my part, your part is so important. And no matter how small that it is as simple as a fingerprint, knowing that everywhere you touch, everything that you touch, you are leaving something behind. Let it be something so impactful that resonates with the people that are coming behind you, that they will be so compelled to do something different, to be someone different, to be someone greater, making sure that our words match our actions and that our actions reflect our words that we've spoken. My parents taught, taught us that Anything great starts with a great foundation, but in order to, say, to sustain the great processes of the things that we endure or the process of the things that we have built up, it starts from the top, which means when you turn that water on, water flows from the top down. You never see water coming from the bottom up. And so we're here as members doing our part and we, um, extend ourselves and we hope that our fingerprints are mattering and that not just the membership get it and our communities get it but we want the people in leadership to get it that they don't allow us the space to be able to share to be able to have uh, compelling calls and uh, programs that are making us aware and they don't even show up there has to be a level of accountability for every person. And again, our fingerprints, our words, our actions, they do matter. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Kasha. Absolutely. Um, all right. Your hands are all gone. All right. So I think we have a little bit of time. And I just want to thank um, Anthony, Regina, and Pam really for agreeing to 
you know, sort of be our, our uh, starters for this for this <laughs> listening session. And I really want to thank Anthony for getting this homily and for encouraging all of us to take the time to listen. Um, I think, Anthony, we've got a few minutes. Do you think we could start the song? I think we can. I think we have just enough time. And yeah. Debbie Grubb said something that's really amazing before, and I, I want to echo those sentiments. If you have an idea for a call, if you have action that you want taken, we have a new MCAC chair who is very determined and is very quiet strength. So reach out to Cheryl. You can find her information on the MCAC page at acb.org, but reach out to her. I can guarantee she'll get back to you. Cheryl, um, this is Nina Simone. Um, this is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing this with us as well. 1021 PM. For today, for this hour, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, we stated before that the whole program is dedicated to his memory. But this tune is written about him and for him. And so we had yesterday to learn it. And so let's see. Once upon this planet Earth lived a man humble and reaching love and freedom for his fellow man. He was dreaming of the day peace would come to earth to stay. He spread this message all across the land. Turn the other cheek, he'd bleed. Love thy neighbor was his creed. Pain, humiliation, death. He did not dread with his Bible at his side. From his foes, he did not hide. It's hard to think of this great man. Oh, yeah. Well, the murders never cease. Are they men or are they beasts? What do they ever hope? Ever hope to gain? Will my country fall, stand or fall? 